oftentimes in life, circumstances require being viewed from alternate perspectives in order to gain new insights and awareness around them. Like stepping back from a painting of little shaded squares until it reveals the clear intended picture. Welcome to Pixelated Perspectives, the podcast intended to offer new perspectives into your health and overall well-being, explained through the lens of German New Medicine. I'm your host, Tanya Berkwin. I'm an artist, family woman, and nature and life enthusiast. So let's get into it. Well, welcome to Pixelated Perspectives. This is Tanya. Thank you so much for tuning in today, you guys. I couldn't be more excited about my guest today. I'm welcoming David Whitehead to the podcast. David is a prominent freedom advocate, martial artist, entrepreneur, podcaster. He's also the creator of a documentary series, Cult of the Medic. In all of this, he is a truth warrior. He is using his talents to educate, inspire, and empower people to take on the adventurous journey of self-actualization. His podcast, The Way of the Truth Warrior, offers a unique perspective on philosophy, martial arts, and esoteric study. David's work is focused on a pursuit of truth, though, wherever it may lead, and to seek out the answers to many of the interesting and challenging questions of our time. He shares incredible interviews with whistleblowers, researchers, alt-thinkers, who are just speaking up and speaking truth with the current world affairs that are virtually affecting each and every solitary person right now, whether they are awake to it or not. So it's a great honor to have you on the show, David. Welcome. Hey, Tanya. Wow, what an amazing uh, intro. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for inviting me. I think this is going to be a great discussion. Yeah, I'm so excited. There's actually so many directions I want to take this, but um, I'd like to begin with asking you what it was that moved you into showing up as this truth warrior. Like, I know you've been involved in martial arts and instructing martial arts for a couple decades. So was this persona or archetype of the warrior, was this always something you could relate to? Or, you know, has your podcast and more your, your more recent work something that was inspired over the last year and a half? Yeah, where did it all start for you? Well, uh, for me... It's definitely a part of my makeup, the whole warrior thing. I mean, I grew up studying martial arts and reading um, about different warrior traditions. I don't know why I was drawn to it. It was just, I think it was because it was empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was blown away when I was young by watching a demonstration of these karate, uh, karate black belts that were doing a, a demo at one of the conventions that was close to where I lived. And I, I remember being a kid and walking in and just seeing them do some performances and I noticed a few things that has just immediately attracted me. And number one was these people were not huge, you know, big, strong people. They were just average looking people, very unassuming. And when they would get on the stage, they would perform these movements that were so powerful and strong and yet also fluid. And there was something about the energy of it that I just went, wow, these people are like angels or something. Like they just, they, they, there's something just empowering about it that attracted me. And so I dove right in and I'd be going to the library and looking up books and reading stuff from Gichin Funakashi and Bruce Lee and all that stuff. And then uh, I started my martial art career when I was nine, well, my career, my training when I was nine, uh, got into karate and then eventually started traveling through all these different martial art disciplines. And I just couldn't get enough of it. I love the training. I love the fighting aspect of it. 
And because the fighting aspect of it wasn't um, done with ill intentions, it wasn't done with, you know, malicious intent. It was just done for the purpose of empowering yourself and empowering your partner and working together to get better at this art. And so that was the foundation of where I came into all this work was that I had all, and I also alongside that had a very deep interest in comparative religion and mythology, kind of growing up reading, you know, Joseph Campbell and um, many of these other different thinkers on it. I was always curious about it, always curious about ancient history and mysteries and, you know, these different secrets and stuff. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is just so cool. And I just couldn't get enough of it. So it was more of a, it was a vocational thing. It was a hobby. It was something I just enjoyed to do. And I didn't know it was going to become my work. You know, I, like everybody else, you're sort of told, make sure you get your grades in school and then go out and get a job and make something of yourself. Um, but I didn't have a, much traditional education either. So I pretty much had to give myself an education. And I've never lost that flame of curiosity. And uh, so I just, from day one, have been very driven to learn what I can, the places that I, the questions that I had, there were so many questions that I would have. And then every question I would, I would answer would lead to more questions. And uh, then I eventually started reaching out to some of the authors of these books that I was fascinated by and asking them questions. And sometimes they would get back to me, sometimes they wouldn't. And then I eventually worked up the nerve to ask some of them uh, to come on and do an interview with me like we're doing now. And I used to put them up on my YouTube channel, uh, these little discussions I would have, and then it eventually turned into a show. And then I got on radio and then I made it to television. And then, um, uh, and the whole time I had also been working with my wife, we ran our own martial arts studio for, for many years. And then of course, when the whole pandemic thing happened, uh, we got our dojo shut down on day one, like it was overnight, we lost uh, half of more than half of our income and complete disconnecting from our community. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I, I had already been doing my truth warrior and unslaved the podcasting more as a part-time, although it was more like full-time hours, part-time results. And then I, but I said, okay, well now that I've lost my other income, I have to put everything I've got into this now. So I dedicated full-time research hours to getting into what's really going on with this whole pandemic. I wanted mm -hmm. to get to the bottom of it. Something didn't smell right, right from the beginning of it. Um, my wife and I, my family got whatever this thing flying around in early February of 2020, whatever that was, uh, I got it. It is exactly the profile and the, the, the symptoms and it hit me harder than most. And so, uh, we just immediately, we didn't go to the hospital. We don't, I, I don't even have a family doctor. And, um, we just, uh, you know, rested, I got lots of vitamin C, D and zinc in me. And, um, and then when I got to a point where I was feeling a bit of heavy breathing, my wife made a old fashioned eucalyptus steam bowl for me. And I did a bunch of that. And next day started waking up and it was on the mend and good as new. So the same with my whole family. And, uh, so for me, I went, okay, so there's something happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. And, but at the same time, what we're seeing in the media isn't making sense. And what the government is trying to do here is unprecedented. And so that curiosity just pushed me in to this research and then interviewing these different guests. And I've created a playlist that encapsulates some of my top interviews from 2020 um, with that I call Corona Chronicles. And it's available on my Rockfin channel. And I interviewed people like Mickey Willis, Del Bigtree, Dr. David Martin, Dr. Kerry Madej, um, and many, many others. And um, and then 
now here we are. And now I've been covering all these events. I've been censored from pretty much every mainstream social media site except for Twitter, um, which is odd, but hey, they, they keep me around for some reason. And now I'm on all the alternative sites. So uh, people can find all that work that I've been doing over at my site, which is dwtruthwarrior.com. So that's kind of a nutshell of what led me. But spiritually, and, and I think the question you're really asking here is why and what was it? Well, I think when I was doing this trek growing up of this martial arts training, I was one of those students that really listened when the, the teacher would bring in the philosophy. I loved learning why we were doing this, not just doing it and winning medals and doing all that. I just wanted to know why there's got to be a deeper meaning. And I carried those lessons with me, you know, the statements from, you know, Miyamoto Musashi and Bruce Lee and all these guys, and just that independent spirit, you know, defend your freedom. And that is very strong in the true martial art tradition, because it was these warrior traditions that were the ones that would have to get up and fight, you know, tyrants off. Right. Mm -hmm. So I use those lessons to fuel my work in these fields of research and philosophy and, and all the work that I do. And I feel like that's what also made my work a little bit unique because I thought, well, I don't want to just keep doing what everybody else is doing. So I wanted to bring that flavor in because I felt like one thing that's been missing, especially with men and young men, is the call of warriorship, which is not a call to become this violent, uh, megalomaniacal thug. It was a call to take action in life, to stand up for what's right, to grow a spine, to develop yourself into something that can truly serve yourself and your family and your community and your country. And um, in the current war that we're in, and I do believe we're in a war right now, uh, we need warriors to take a stand. And the warriors we need are not necessarily warriors that are in some kind of, is as if some kind of physical combat situation, but more of a spiritual, psychological uh, warrior. And so truth warrior, it, it kind of fit that title because my goal was the truth. That's the goal of philosophy and thinking and, and all that. Um, but in order to pursue the truth, you need the spine of a warrior. So it, mm -hmm. it kind of worked out. And so that's the basis behind my work. And I think that's how I ended up seeing so many of these things. And I obviously had so many great teachers as well, as well in my life many synchronistic moments um, where I was led to read certain books or, or see meet certain people at, at interesting times in my life. And all of that comes together. And I just decided to go with it. And here I am. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Amazing breakdown. Thank you for that. It all makes perfect sense now. Truth warrior. Yeah. There's always been this challenge that we've always had to be able to face and overcome fears. But it seems like now those fears are just more pronounced than ever, just because of so many people waking up to what's happening and the corruption and everything. So beyond the mainstream narratives and the propagandizing of fear as just individuals, how can we as a warrior, be it a man or a woman, just approach our everyday life despite the fear we're facing? How can we look at this differently? It's a great question. I, um, I think the way I would say it is you have to have a firm foundation of understanding of who and what you are and what you're capable of and what your limitations are. And then also really got to get crystal clear on what you have control over and what you don't have control over. This was something I have to learn too, because I'm a 
and I'm one of those people that I'm like, take it by the horns, fix it, get it done. You know, it, I just want to fix it. But uh, it's you have to learn that patience factor, that sort of uh, that Zen factor, you know, the yin factor where you you approach this present situation with the mindset of a warrior, right? And that's why I've been trying to lay that out for people and tell people about it and say, hey, there's a whole school of thought. There's a whole study of how to build that confidence in yourself, how to build that ability not to get rid of fear because you can never get rid of it. There's actually maybe even to learn how to honor it, you know, mm -hmm. make space for it, accept it, don't fight it, you know? Um, what you want to fight is the illusory nature of it. So the fear, like if I think of it from a martial artist perspective, we train so that we use the, the sort of the fear, the stress of, of combat, that, that sort of, that's sort of like the experimental lab that we're pressure testing us ourselves against, right? We use that as a way of helping to train a function where we, we know we can't just turn that instinctual response off right but we can let it serve us we can we can create a space in ourselves so that it actually helps us it, it motivates us it gets us moving quicker and it gets us reacting quicker and seeing things but if you let it paralyze you then it's obviously going to lead to your destruction internally right so i say sometimes i tell people depends on the person i would say um i've been letting a lot of people know go back and it, it, look at those things that empowered you in your life. You, you must have had moments or heard a speech or heard a song, could even be a song or an experience you had where it empowered you. It, it gave you strength. It, it really made you feel I'm a, I'm a human being and I don't have to live in fear. And, you know, like there's got to be experiences that we can draw from and then try to pull them in and really make them vivid for yourself. And then the other thing I say to people is uh, knowledge beats fear. So gaining the knowledge of what's happening actually helps ease the fear. Like for some people, maybe when they go and they start looking into some of the subject matter that I discuss, um, they might look at it and go, well, that's scary information, right? But I, if you treat it properly, it actually eases the fear because now there's not a gap in your thinking. Now you actually know why things are going on, right? Mm -hmm. So knowledge helps to neutralize that anxiety. Anxiety is really what it is. Fear is something that is very, it can be positive. It can be the thing that gets you out of the way of that oncoming train or whatever. But anxiety stays with you. And anxiety is the illusion, right? So, and this is what the media and this, you know, this whole apparatus is designed to create in you is a lasting, continued feeling of angst and anxiety that stays with you because that withers away any strength you had, any confidence you had, any self-assuredness that you had is that it just eats away at it. And then as you can also see, it turns people into nasty creatures, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing this blown up in, in neon lights right now. So um, for specific things, you know, I, I gave recommendations about breathing exercises to people to help ease, you know, settle the body down, getting into like belly breathing and things like that. Uh, some people do prayer or meditation or singing or whatever. Everybody's got their thing, but um, don't, one thing I can say is don't ignore the fear. Don't try to go like, la la, I'm fine. Don't pretend, you know, I sometimes just sit with that passenger and I just go, Hey, let's have a moment here. Let's, let's just go through this. And mm -hmm. uh, the more you address it, instead of repressing it, 
the more you're going to find your strength rising. And then obviously also surround yourself with the right people. I mean, it's very hard these days. I know a lot of people are getting cut off from friends and family and all that because they're all just watching the news 24 seven. But, um, you know, there are those other wolves out there. There are those other awake warriors out there. Mm -hmm. And if you can't find them in your personal physical space, come online, watch podcasts like this, come on and hang out with Tanya, you know, like this is how we, this is how we do this. This is why we do this work is to tell the world you're not alone out there. You're not the mm -hmm. only one feeling these feelings. You're not the only one having these challenges. And when we come together and share and, and express and relate and share information and empower each other, um, it's, it, it reminds me of like being on those old competitive teams where we'd be traveling to some other country to go compete. And we would all get together and we were all nervous and we would support each other through that process. And then when we came out with the wins, it was just more confirmation that getting yeah. your energy right and getting your mind right and getting your body right um, are all key ingredients to help give you the power you need to get through these dark times. Thank you. That's so practical. And I can relate to your answer so much. I think it's a very valuable perspective on the fear and not uh, suppressing it. And yeah, the mindset. I want to circle back to something you said about how knowledge can also help, right? Again, over these last few months, year and a half, people's ability to use their own discernment and logical reasoning minds just to make decisions and be aware of what's happening. I feel like this is something that's just incrementally decreasing and uh, it's disheartening. But I'm going to say a big but. After watching your Cult of the Medic series, it was really clear to see why this is the case. Like the information that you're putting in front of us is really helping the scales fall from our eyes. And now we're really seeing how these elites are, or I've heard you say the enemies of freedom, um, they're slowly and they've been slowly working to take this ability away from us, right? The ability to use our logic. So how do we approach this? I know it's a very broad, broad. Yeah, no, question. I hear what you're. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, well, first of all, we need to know what these, what these people in quotations are, because um, they're not like you or I. They don't think like you or, you or I do. Uh, we have to understand where they're coming from, how mm. they see things. Right? It'd be like me if I'm going to go to a competition or something. I'm going to study my opponent to maybe get an understanding of what style do they use? What's their favorite moves? You know, that kind of stuff to the best that I can. We have to do that right now. And that's why I say we have to study history because mm -hmm. there's nothing happening now that hasn't happened before in the same context. It's just now it's amplified because we're in a different time of history. We have all this technology, um, these geopolitical and, you know, corporate elites and all these people, they have tools at their disposal that, you know, Mao Zedong and Adolf Hitler and Stalin and all these people didn't have. So that's the difference. But the methodology is the same. The blueprint is the same. The mantras and the rhetoric and even the exact words and phrases are identical. It's uncanny when you know what you're looking at. And so I say you study history. And then for every villain of history, there was those from the, the light. There were those that were good. There were those that resisted. And it was mm. always small pockets of resistance. It was never masses of people, never mass movements. It wasn't like the whole nation woke up and then they overthrew the tyrant. It was always small little pockets of people. And so everybody out there that feels like, well, I'm outnumbered by all the people that are buying into this mainstream narrative and they're just lining up like cattle for all this stuff. 
I'm like, yeah, but expect that. Like, don't let that disappoint you. That's been the status quo. In fact, for us to have now hundreds of millions of people around the world that are all actively coordinating to research this, dodge all the fact, all the censorship and all that, go mm-hmm. on shows like this, set up new alternative platforms when we're getting banned from the mainstream socialist platforms, um, you know, and, and, and do this work. And everybody is echoing the signal of the truth frequency. It's a frequency is what it is. And we're all just conduits for that frequency. And we don't always get it right. And we're not perfect, but we're, we're, our intentions are right. That's what I see is the intentions are there. Whereas the intentions of these politicians and media moguls and all these people are literally just to acquire and maintain a power differential over us. That's, that's their that's what they are. And a lot of them are just puppets on strings working for higher other, other people. Right. And um, so, so we got to know history. We got to know how they've done this before. And we also have to know how they were beat before and mm. they were beat and they've been beat every time, every time we're still here. That's why we know they were beat every again and again. It seems like there's this thing that creeps up. It's like the dark side of the force keeps creeping up and expressing itself through different people, through different times of history. And it's like the same thing every time we're on a we're on a merry-go-round or something. And um, so when you look at that and you go, well, how do we bridge the gap from the people that are just going along with this and the people that aren't? Well, we kind of don't have to do that much anymore. If you look at it, the way I've been describing it is. It's a principle of jujitsu and judo and aikido. Those three arts are uh, what you would call soft arts. Okay, and <laughs> don't take the word soft in the way you think. It's um, there are hard styles which are confront, you know, and strong and base and like you know. And then there's the styles where when your opponent is attacking you, you don't directly confront it. You actually use their attack and push it back into them. And that is the way we win this particular battle. So, and we're seeing it happen. So every time the media comes out and goes, oh my God, there's 12 more cases. We better lock down <laughs> or uh, there's this or there's that or whatever crap they're posting. It's, it's daily. You sit back and you have a good laugh at them. That, that you, that's what I do. I laugh in the face of evil. That, that's a valuable skill to acquire during these times is the ability to laugh in the face of what you're seeing. And it's not a laugh that's ignorant. It's not a, it's a laugh that says, Look at these people tripping over themselves as they're desperately trying to continue this campaign of brainwashing the masses because it's falling apart. If you see it, it's not obviously it's not the world waking up yet, but I have never seen what we're seeing right now. And I've been doing this about 19 years now, and um, I have never seen this level of people coming into this fight now going, there is really something very wrong with this. Mm-hmm. Now that it's reaching everybody's doorstep, they're losing their jobs, they're losing their careers, their friends, their family are losing their careers. Some of them are losing their lives. They're getting injured by these jabs. They're seeing that basically everything the government told us and promised us, they're changing their story every week now. It used to be they would wait a year. They would wait 10 years. Now it's every day, every mm-hmm. week. It's like three weeks ago, you just said we don't have to do this. And now you're saying we have to do this. Like So to me, that's a sign that they are losing on one front, which is they are starting to lose control of the narrative. That is the prize with these people. That's why they invested so much time into studying the human psyche and doing these experiments and doing these MKUltra, Milgram, Stanford prison. They wanted to get a grip on 
how can we lead these people like sheep? How can we get better grip on their control of the mind? And their mechanism for doing that is the media, right? And so we, we know how to combat them because we know what their blueprint is. We know what their agenda is. And we, I could literally, we're at a point where we can predict what's coming next, not because we have a crystal ball, but because we can see what their strategy is. I think these guys are desperate. I think they're falling on their sword right now. And I think um, that's why they're quickening their pace in a way that is not recommended, actually. It's not even part of their original playbook of this sort of Fabian slow march to the institutions. They're done with that now. They're just like, mm -hmm. put them the gas. We got to get here before 2030. And I feel like there's a there's a desperation that people are noticing now yeah. um, that wasn't there before. And that desperation is giving everything away and it's going to wake more people up. So the good news is, everybody, hold the line. Let these people be the worst advertisement for themselves. Let these people destroy themselves and cannibalize themselves because that's what we're watching. And it's, it's, it's excruciating to watch. It's very, I see the pressure building and you know, absolutely, but also look at it from the bigger perspective that as that pressure builds, that's an expression of the pressure building inside of these liars and criminals that are doing this and they are being exposed. It's no longer just a bunch of random conspiracy theorists that are talking about this is getting to the level of top doctors, experts, police officers, nurses, professors, you know, all kinds of people from every walk of life are starting to really catch on to what's going on. And so the good news is we won't just win this pandemic war. We won't just win this war on, on exposing the media. We're going to win all the battles. We're going to expose it all. This is not as open and shut as it might look in terms where everybody's feeling like this is all just hopeless and it's over and they're just going to round everybody up and do all this. I think a lot of this is, uh, is posturing at this point. And, um, there's definitely a lot we need to be, stay aware of and be vigilant about. But I think that if you really see what's happening, um, there's a lot to be actually excited about because we have an opportunity here that we've never had before. And, um, you know, the stakes are high, mm -hmm. but, Rest easy that there are good people fighting the fight at every strata of our society. Uh, there's us, the average folk that are out there trying to alert everybody to what's going on. And we're being very effective in that. Even with the censorship, it's amazing to see how many people are coming over to, to learn this information now. And, um, and so I think that's just going to continue. So that's kind of my take on it. And there's definitely a lot more we can get into on that, but you know, just focus on what you can do in your life now, you know, take care of yourself, your family, um, and hang out with the people that empower you and, and maybe just take a break from the people that are, uh, you know, they're not really supportive of where you're standing right now. Yeah. One of the reasons I appreciate your work so much, David, is that you have this underlying message of optimism and hope, and there's always positivity, regardless of, you know, the disturbing things you're help bringing to light. And, you know, this is probably just that natural quality of the warrior archetype. But in any case, it's a quality that I think we all want to hear. We all want to believe that there are solutions and that we're working towards triumph. You know, I, and I've heard you say before that it starts at the level of the individual, that, you know, we kind of all have a role to play. And I totally agree with that. Um, what would you say to those of us who are maybe just living passively right now, like sort of going along to get along? 
Well, I mean, or is there anything missed, to say? Yeah. Like, well, well, I'll just say this, that um, you're missing out on the greatest opportunity in history. Um, the, what side of history are you going to be on? The future historians, what are they going to write? Uh, mm -hmm. What are you going to tell your kids and your grandkids with, that you were doing during the greatest conflict in human history? Uh, the greatest moment in human history. That's how I see it. This is big. This is bigger mm -hmm. than anything we've ever seen before. We're in uncharted territory, but we kind of have to be. And this is going to make or break us. So this is for all the marbles. This is for everything. When they're coming at you and telling you that you no longer have bodily autonomy, that to me, there is no other line. Like there's no other line to cross. I don't care what people think about whether they should get this shot or wear a mask or, you know, hide their kids under their bed or whatever. Uh, whatever you think about those things, just put that aside for a second. Because remember, there's a lot of fear that's clouding everybody's judgment right now. Mm -hmm. And think about what's at stake here. Think about the precedent that is being set by our governments, where now the, all they, they now have so much information, they can just go, oh, all we got to do is scare them about, we don't even have to have any evidence for what we're saying. We just have to literally just keep frightening them and they'll <laughs> bend over and give us their economies. They'll mm -hmm. give us their privacy rights. They'll give us their constitutions on a platter so we can burn them. Uh, they, they'll give us their freedom. They'll give us the keys to their kingdom. They'll give us anything just to feel, just to, just for the illusion of feeling safe. Right. And so they know that. So, um, you know, at this point in time, you need to stand firm in what you believe and you need to know what you believe. You need to define it and be crystal clear, right? Crystal clear on what you want in your life, what you need in your life and what you don't want. And for me, my skin and my body is the last line. There is no other. I mean, I've got, I've got lines way before that, but for the people out there that are kind of on the fence, wishy-washy, I don't know, you know, just what kind of a world do you want to live in? Yeah. Do you value privacy? Do you value bodily autonomy? What if this thing is loaded with graphene oxide and all kinds of other, you know, luciferase and whatever the hell out, what if it is causing a lot of problems? What if there is and, and even if it was made out of leprechaun tears and it was all perfect, you know, like, do you want the government to now have the ability to just shut down your business anytime they want just randomly or uh, to be able to tell you how much money you can earn based on what kind of a behavior you've been setting or if you're a good citizen or not? Do you want to live like China? Like, because if right now the systems they're bringing in through this vaccine passport, this isn't about a vaccine passport. This is about bringing in the new social credit system that is going to be linked into a, a big technotronic AI grid run from God knows where. So they want track trace, biometric scanning. They want to know every little detail about you from your heart rate, your BMI index, your gait pattern, where you go, where you shop, where you buy food, who you talk to, what books you read, what kind of people that what would do that? Well, who wants that? Right. And we saw the same goals with the KGB and the Stasi and the Nazis and it's just been shown so many times that when these types of people gain power, it always goes bad and it never stops because the, the truth is these types of people, these, these typologies of people are already on a path of self-destruction. They are already self-destroyed. So humans project, right? We all project outward what work is going on internally. So they are projecting the inner trauma they've already committed to themselves onto the world. And the chaos and the anger and, the, and the, the diseased state of being that they feel within, 
they are trying to project that on the world and create a world after that image. So for those of you out there, what do you want to live in that world where you're controlled, regimented? And I'm talking to a detail that I don't think people can even imagine, right? Do you want to be watched everywhere? Do you want to be, do you want your neighbors reporting on you when you get out of line? Like it's not going to stop with viruses and vaccines and pandemics. It's going to move into um, what kind of a refrigerator do you own? And how many watts are you putting out? And what kind of vehicle do you own? And where do you live? And how big is your yard? And it's just, it's never going to stop. So they want to micromanage every fine detail of your life. And humans aren't bred like that. We were given the gift of freedom. Our being is built on the foundation of freedom as being a fundamental principle. And so for the first time in history, we had achieved that only a few hundred years ago. And here we are already just giving it all up on a platter for what, for what something that doesn't even work, something that's killing and maiming people policies that are absolutely nonsensical, unscientific and anti-human in the end. And so I say to people, what side of history do you want to be on? When you look in the mirror 10 years from now, are you going to be proud of what you see? Are you going to be able to tell your children, Hey, I, I might not have been on the front lines, but I rose up and, I stood up and I stood my ground and I fought for what I believed to be right. And I didn't just bend the knee because everybody pressured me to do it. I did what was in my heart and in my conscience and in my soul to do. And that's a life worth living a life of regret of looking back and going, I fell for it. I went along. I supported tyranny. I actually helped destroy my country by going along with this. Um, I've helped destroy the future of freedom for my children by going along with this. So make that decision right now, because there's not going to be any other opportunities to make that decision. And so let's get some urgency going. And the number one reason why people might have trouble making that decision is because they're afraid to stand up to the crowd, to the mob, to the people around them, to their family, to the society that they think for some reason is the pinnacle of success. Um, We need to understand that it's only been the few in history that have stood up against tyranny. It's only been the few that have given the world wisdom and knowledge and understanding. It's only been the few that have had the courage to fight back and make a stand. So be part of the few. Don't be a part of the carbon copy, you know, memorize and repeat, regurgitate crowd that that is is walking towards the edge of a cliff. Don't be on that train. Stand with the lions right now. Don't stand with the sheep. That's a powerful message. For sure. I think it was your, well, it was definitely your latest podcast. My days are like blending into one. It might've even been yesterday. Did you go live (laughs) yesterday? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to finally get back on there. Okay. Yeah. Unite the clans. So yeah, yeah, that was a, one of my favorite podcast episodes I've listened to because um, you you explained, first of all, and this is going back to about the people, um, you uh, explain the division among the human population, but then also how that division is actually keeping us from a bigger purpose. It's like becoming the distraction and it's stopping people from coming together to save really humanity itself, like fighting for the freedom of humanity. Obviously the more hands on deck that we have for this war, the better, but how would you inspire those of us who are maybe not seeing the correlation between this division of the people and this being as a distraction as it is? 
Yeah, well, and it's good. The reason I did that show, it was inspired because I'd recently watched Braveheart again after a while, one of my faves. And there's that scene where William Wallace walks in with all these council members for, for these different clans getting together. And they're all just trying to find a way to negotiate with Longshanks, who doesn't negotiate. And, uh, and they're just trying to find a way to see who's going to hold power and all that. And yeah, William Wallace just walks in right off the battlefield and is like, guys, come on. I need every single one of you. I need your children. We need everybody on the front line. We can win this. And, uh, you know, and then he gives them that little speech as they're like, well, it's an unwinnable war. There's too many of them. And, and he's like, we won, we won at that other battle. And still you guys are quibbling in your chairs. You know, we, we, we've, we've, we've made progress. We got to fight or we're not going to have a future. What could you do without freedom is his message. Right. So rise up and fight like you've never fought before because otherwise it's all over and negotiating with terrorists is not advisable. So I love that speech. And he's like, then he tells the King who sadly later, Robert the Bruce, he, he later betrays him, but he tell he tells me he's like, unite the clans, unite us. If, if you lead the way and you set an example, all these clans that are all bickering amongst themselves will unite under your banner. And even I will follow you into battle. And even I will lead your, you know, listen to your word. And I felt like in a way, this movement of resistance of all of us freedom fighters that are all coming from these different camps and categories and maybe different takes on certain things. We're divided amongst ourselves. We're shooting arrows at each other. Meanwhile, the enemy as psychopathic as they are, as gangster as they are, as cutthroat as they are, they are uniting where it matters to achieve this for themselves. So they have buried the hatchets of old divisions and little internecine struggles that they've gone through behind the scenes. They are burying that hatchet and saying, let's unite our clans so that we can take everything and then we'll divvy it up later and worry about those things later. So I'm just trying to tell our movement of resistance the same thing. I don't care what religion you come from, what philosophy you come from, how you see the world, what shape you think the planet is, whether we're alone in the universe or not, who you think is running this from the high table or not. What group, I don't care what perspective on it you have. Aren't we all united in the fact that we understand that humanity as we know it is at stake? The human being at this point is what's at stake. They want to change us fundamentally, genetically alter us and program and train us to become like these little pets that won't resist, that won't think for ourselves, that will follow orders and decrees that will be delivered directly to your smartphone or the chips they want to put in your head or whatever. What it means to be human is the question of our time. And so we got to stop the bickering amongst ourselves about things that don't matter, to be honest with you. Like, and I'm not, I, like I said in the show, it's okay to have these little debates. And I love all these subjects and I'm curious, right, myself, but that's peacetime talk. We're at war right now in a very specific area. And we need to focus all of our energies on fighting this back now. And fighting back means not taking up weapons or anything like that, because we need to do everything we can to prevent it from going there. That's what I, I hear all these guys going, when's everybody going to grow some balls and actually do something, pick up a gun and do something. And I'm like, you don't understand the nature of the battle you're in. The mm -hmm. enemy didn't attack us with weapons, did they? They use asymmetric warfare, which is, the warfare strategy that you use to slowly infiltrate, take over, you know, this behind the scenes, subtle conspiratorial type of attack. That's how they attacked us. So we need to address that attack with an appropriate defense that will actually be effective. And I can tell you right now, all this bickering going on in this truth movement, 
about all these different things. It's a waste of time and energy. Let's point our arrows directly at this beast, this Sauron army right now that is trying to take your government, take your economy, take their, they want your children. In, in BC right now, they have a childhood act that says that a child, a child can go to school and they don't have to get parental consent in order to take this shot. So all the teacher has to do is say, hey, Charlie, here's some free ice cream if you go get the jab up the hall and they're going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you're, you know, they want your children, they want the children to be taken out of the family unit. They don't want a family unit. It's the number one, one of the planks of the communist manifesto. They don't want a family unit. Why? Because then the state runs the children. The parents don't, aren't a part of the equation anymore. So they're trying to take that away from you. So at what point are we going to go, well, let's put all of our differences aside, fight this and get these normies awake. We were all normies at one point. I was a normie. You were a normie. Everybody was a normie. At one point, something came across our door that said, hey, something doesn't feel right. I need to investigate further. We need people to feel that right now because this is a great opportunity. It's never been a better opportunity to, to show people what's really been going on while they've been asleep. So put aside all these other little differences. It's time to grow up and it's time to take action. And that action is the action of thinking, of speaking, of refining your ability to tell people this information in a non-confrontational, easy to understand, eloquent, to the point way. And that's what I've been trying to master. That's why I love doing podcasting because it really helps you refine your speech and your ability to communicate. Uh, complex ideas to people in shorter periods of time. And that's one reason I also made this documentary series is to say, okay, not everybody can sit through long form podcasts. Um, so we need something that's a bit entertaining and inspiring and visual and music. And, and it's easy to share for people and you can break it down into little sections. And so uh, let's, let's work together on that front. Let's unite with our communities and learn how to exchange goods, services, and skills and how to form communication lines and how to go to these schools and, and, you know, protest against these school boards and maybe even replace the school boards with moral ethical people that are going to follow the law. Um, And just that's the fight right now. And then when we win that and we, we secure our freedom again, then we can have all the debates in the world. I'll even host them on my show. How about that? But (laughs) let's just chill in the comments and let's try to unite right now instead of, because divide and conquer is their model. Look what they're trying to do. Yeah. Divide you by race. Divide you by gender. Divide you by sexual orientation. Divide you by religion. Divide you by this. Divide you by the Everything the media does is to create division and sow the seed of, dis, of discourse, or of, of the opposite of discourse, conflict. And so what's the way out? Do the opposite of what they're doing. Don't be divided. Talk to those people of other races, religions, belief systems or whatever, and try to find common ground and say, Hey, we can agree to disagree on certain things, but we need to unite under this banner of freedom and say, let's go with that and come together. And you know, what's a magical thing is going to start to happen. I already see it happening is people are going to find out they've got a lot more in common than they maybe first thought. Mm -hmm. It's, and that's what I think the hope is, is when, when humanity unites in that fashion, at least the, the strong parts of humanity, uh, these guys are done. It's checkmate. They can't win. They absolutely can't win if we're united like that. 
Yeah, that's unbelievable. I love that message. You've given us a clear visual of what we need to do as a group and just stop being divided on a very personal level, on an individual level. Is there a practice that you have daily just to kind of get your head right so that you're, uh, you're in a position to lead the way you lead and uh, to have the mindset of what needs to be done? Um, I never made it into like a, a thing, but I, I suppose it's a combination of things. I've been doing this a while. When I first started kind of reprogramming my mind from, you know, stuff from the past and, you know, you go, we go through these things. Uh, it was very deliberate. It was very methodical. I would have all these like, Oh, do this step, do some journaling, do some meditation, do some stretching, do some this. Now I've gotten to a point where it's just natural. And, you know, it could be as simple as me just, you know, I'll get up in the morning and I might, you know, look at my phone and see some, Oh, Doug Ford, what did you just say today? And then I throw my, uh, throw my phone down and then I just go, okay, I walk out. I look at the beautiful trees that I have in my yard. I, I listen to the water. There's a little spot that I go that's close to my house where I see the water and it always brings me back to center. And I just, and, and so for me, the number one weapon against that anxiety and that, that stress and tension is gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so I just get up. I look my kids in the face, tell them I love them, tell my wife I love her. I, I look at my computer. I tell my computer that I love it because it gives me a tool to use to do the work that I'm doing. I say I'm grateful for the, I have, I surround myself right now on my desk. There's all these books lying all over the place. So someone might walk in and go, look at this guy, he's cluttered. But for me, it's energy. These mm -hmm. are the books that changed my life. These are the books. So I feel like I'm sitting right now with Emmanuel Velikovsky and Sean Martin and and, you know, Michael Howard and Michael Tessarian and who is this William Bramley and, you know, Lloyd Pye and Randy Weiss. I'm, I'm sitting with these great people. And so I'm not alone. And and then I think back to the warriors of the past that fought this battle, the, the people that have gone, they've died, you know, and they I think of them and I go, well, I'm not going to let them down. You know, I think of my grandfathers fighting in the war. Uh, I think of the veterans. I think of, I, and I, so I, I get my mind back into that. Every time I see something that makes me want to just paint my face blue, grab a claymore and ride into the freaking, <laughs> I go, okay, just sit back, be grateful for what you have. It could have been worse. I, I didn't have to take a single penny from the government this past two years because I've worked my whole life to develop the skills of an entrepreneur to find a way, mm -hmm. to find a way. And the kind of people that, that I've turned myself into that I'm trying to help people understand is you have to be a person that can be adaptable under these kinds of circumstances. I'm equipped right now and I'm ready. If I have to go back to hunting and gathering again, then that's where I'm going to go. That's how committed I am. I'm not going to go and bend the knee to get some job somewhere or whatever. I'll find a way. And that energy has always brought me exactly what I need. That positivity, that gratitude for what I already have, even though I could sit here and curse the sky for the stuff that I've lost, um, and the people I've lost, uh, I sit back and I go, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in an energy of gratitude for what I didn't lose because I'm given exactly what I need. I believe that I'm given exactly what I need. I'm doing exactly what I need to do. And as long as I can stay sane and focused and do my work, I will be provided with everything I need. I'll be provided with protection. I'll be provided with the resources, the people, everything that I need. And sure enough, that belief has continually been proven right in my life. So I get confidence from that now. So for me, it could literally be as simple as me making up my coffee, standing on my deck, looking at the water, looking at the trees, hearing some, I love these got hummingbirds flying around. I look at them and I just go, 
nature's doing its thing and humanity's going insane right now, but look, nature's just doing what it was doing two years ago. It didn't change, you Mm -hmm. know, in that way it's doing its process. And, and that just, it grounds me. So I think everybody has to find their thing. Some people, maybe they want to get up and do some yoga in the morning. It helps them, you know, moving the body is so important. You know, it doesn't have to be super strenuous either. It could be, even if you're sitting in your chair, you know, just moving and breathing and just trying to like, you know, flexing your fingers and, you know, little things like that. Uh, we forget that a lot of your psychology is actually contained in the body. It's not just in the brain. Uh, and that's, that's that somatic level of intelligence. And so I tell people, just go for a walk, do some stretching, do some breathing. If you're an athlete or you like to train, you'll find your thing, go on the treadmill, go, you know, but do something consciously. You know, mm-hmm. I, what I do when I go, if I go running or something, I either don't listen to anything or I, I put on a podcast or I put on something that stimulates my mind while I'm working my body. And, you know, uh, but for me getting out in nature and doing those kind of things, and being deliberate about what you're doing, doing it with gratitude and being conscious about it. Uh, This is how you keep the wind in your sails. And you're going to need it because I think things are going to get a little bit harder before they get better, but Mm -hmm. they will get better. So make sure you take care of yourself and empower yourself every day with the little things that you already know work for you. And if you don't know, then that's your mission is to find out what does work for you, you know? Right. Well, I can't thank you enough, David, for coming on and joining me for this episode. You've just, you've given us so much to think about and you've pointed us to such practical wisdom and, and things we can do and really implement. Thank you for showing up as this warrior that you do. The words that you speak are, I can feel like the tangibility, the frequency of them. I had goosebumps numerous times throughout what you were saying because it was just resonating with me so much. So I really, really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with my listeners. So how else can my listeners hear more from you? I'm definitely going to leave the links to the Cult of the Medics in the show notes and to your podcast, but where else can people find you? Oh, well, first of all, Tanya, this has been great. You're doing an amazing job. And I'm so glad there's people like you doing shows and I'm honored to have come on and I'm, I'm glad we had this chat. I hope it helps. Um, for people that want to follow more about my work, everything you can find on dwtruthwarrior.com. My, my lovely wife put that site together for me. She gave it to me as a gift uh, back on Father's Day. And it's, she's been working hard on it. She's making me look good. So I, go see her work over there. Uh, everything's there. I also do um, an advanced level uh, sort of podcast with my colleague and friend, Michael Tessarian from Ireland on uh, Unslaved. We call it the Unslaved podcast. It's a very unique mix of philosophy, history, conspiracy, politics, everything you can imagine. Um, And that's at unslaved.com. So those two websites, but everything is linked, even Cult of the Medics, it's all linked over at my main website, dwtruthwarrior.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into this episode. If you found some value in it, please consider subscribing and leave an honest review in iTunes. I'd love to help get this information out to more people and go ahead and share it with a friend. You can reach and connect with me at tanyaverquin.ca or on the socials at tanyaverquin.ca.